Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm talking today about the effects that anxiety can have on motivation and procrastination. Um, And I've decided to lump these two subjects together because I find that they often work in tandem with each other. So often when we procrastinate, it's because we lack in motivation. So I wanted to do an episode that covers both aspects together and can give you a good idea about how you can start to notice that your anxiety is playing a part in these things and then do something about it. So I'm going to start out by just talking a little bit about what anxiety actually is. If you want uh, a more full explanation of anxiety, then have a look back over my previous episodes because I go into much more detail. Um, But to give you a bit of a short form, anxiety is a fear of the future. So depending on what kind of anxiety you have, it can either be a specific event or it can be just a general unsettling fear of something going wrong. Now, anxiety is actually a really normal process, and the aim of anxiety is to protect you from harm. But when we're talking about people who struggle with anxiety as a mental health issue, the natural process that has been designed to keep us alive has actually gone a bit wrong, I guess, and is maybe a bit overprotective and is reacting a bit too quickly to things that aren't actually as threatening as we think they are. So anxiety is linked to our fight or flight response and that response is the way that our body can prepare itself for life-threatening situations. So when people have anxiety they also get quite a range of physical symptoms that come with that anxiety. So things like your heart racing, feeling sweaty, breathing shallowly, uh, the inevitable stomach upsets, these are all normal symptoms of anxiety. Now, when we're talking about anxiety as a mental health problem, we're talking about the whole process of anxiety. And that's because nowadays we don't find ourselves in life-threatening situations very often. Well, I mean, it depends on your lifestyle and potentially your job. But for the most people that I work with, their day-to-day lives aren't taken up by life-threatening situations. So we have to have a look at what's starting that reaction. And what happens is it's the thoughts that a client has that leads them to think that there's a reason to fear something. So one of the easiest examples to use is public speaking. So thoughts about public speaking um, are what cause the anxiety about public speaking. Now, as therapists, we call these cognitive distortions, which are basically just ways in which you think that are affecting you negatively. Um, And examples of those are like, When you're about to do a talk in front of loads of people and you think, what if I look stupid? Or what if I forget what I'm meant to be talking about? Which is always really, really helpful, obviously. It's those kind of things that we mean by cognitive distortions. Now, if you head to my website, you can download a free worksheet which will tell you what cognitive distortions there are. And you can look through them and see which ones you tend to do in different situations, because we all do these. And the important thing in terms of learning how to manage your anxiety is actually recognising when these are happening and understanding that they are, in fact, cognitive distortions. So if you head to my website, you can download that for free. And it comes with a video as well, which talks you through how to use the exercise. 
Now, motivation and procrastination. So what happens and how does anxiety affect these things? Well, these thoughts or cognitive distortions that we have can have a huge impact on how motivated we are to do things and therefore whether or not we procrastinate. So continuing the public speaking example, generally speaking, um, people don't actually prepare for their public speaking engagements well enough. Um, which can often lead to it not going very well. And once it's gone badly once, of course, then we remember that and then we have a good reason to feel fear. But the reason that people don't put in the practice and don't actually do all the preparatory work that would be beneficial for them is because of those negative thoughts, reducing the motivation to practice. And actually that negative thinking helps us look for other things to do and engage our mind in other activities, so procrastinate. Now motivation, I mean motivation is a big topic. I'm going to come at it from a anxiety point of view, um, but I mean there's, there's so much information out there on how to improve your motivation. I'm going to talk about firstly what can be affecting it and then a few things that you can have a go at yourself to see if you can improve it. Um, now, I'm going to be really honest here. I struggle with motivation as much as anyone else does. Um, but the key thing is you have to learn how to challenge your anxiety in these situations and then change the way you think to improve your motivation. So even if you don't consider yourself a very motivated person, you can actually change that and you can become a motivated person. So probably the biggest mental challenge that I have ever faced is marathon training. Um, I did the London Marathon in 2016. I was supposed to be running the one that was in April this year, um, which may or may not be in October this year, um, but otherwise will be in April next year. And finding the motivation to go out for runs, particularly the long ones, and particularly in bad weather, is really, really challenging. And I'm not going to lie about that. It's been really, really difficult at times. So... When I start to notice that it could be anxiety that's affecting my motivation, I realise that I'm saying things to myself like, this is going to hurt, I'm going to get wet and cold, or what if I get halfway round and then can't get back? That's quite a common fear, particularly when you're pushing up the distance for the first time in a while. And these feelings, uh, these thoughts rather, they lead to feelings of dread, they make you feel heavy, my heart starts pounding a little bit, my breathing goes a bit shallow, and that makes going for a run even harder than it was going to be anyway. Now, when we talk about being motivated to do something, ideally what we want to feel before we go do it is excited, energetic. If it's something like marathon running, then you want to feel strong and ready to overcome barriers. It's a completely different mindset to when you're worrying about everything going wrong. So the big question really becomes, what kind of things can you think that would lead to more positive feelings, more energetic feelings, more engaged feelings, more like powerful feelings? Often with marathon running in particular, it ends up being a battle of wills, really. So you have to be in the headspace of, I'm going to overcome this, I'm going to challenge myself. And to a certain extent, this is something you have to find out for yourself. So you have to work out a little bit what it is that motivates you, what it is that makes you feel that way about doing something. So in my personal case, because I've started talking about the marathon training, 
when I'm struggling to motivate myself to go out for a run, I have a think about how I would feel when I cross the finish line. I also think about how much the fundraising will benefit the disabled children and adults that I'm raising money for. I think about how proud I'll be when I finish my run. And I also think about how much stronger each run will make me. Even if those runs go horribly, horribly wrong, they're still making me stronger. And I also think about how much more enjoyable the London Marathon will be if I'm adequately prepared for it. And you can use the same process even when you're partway through a run, for example. So inevitably, particularly on longer runs, I usually hit a tough spot where I start to think, I'm not sure I can do this, <laughs> or I'm too tired, I can't cope anymore, or whatever it is that starts going through your head. And again, it's about noticing that your anxiety is doing this, noticing that you're starting to panic a little bit, and finding alternative thoughts instead. So when you're halfway through a run, thinking things like, how amazing I am to have actually gone out for a run. How proud I am to be taking on a challenge that not many people are able to do. It might sound a bit big headed, but you really have to start bolstering yourself with your head when you want to motivate yourself, especially and most importantly, when what you're trying to do is quite a difficult thing. Now, the good thing is self-hypnosis can be really helpful here because you can learn how to calm your mind when those horrible thoughts start coming in and you can learn how to visualise the things that will make you feel excited and energetic to get going. So if you want to find out how you can learn self-hypnosis online, you'll just need to head to my website and the course is now available on my website. So all you need to do is go check it out and you'll be able to learn how you can motivate yourself through visualisation. Now, one of the questions that I get asked by clients um, is what if you're trying to motivate yourself for something that you kind of don't really want to do? I mean, the marathon is kind of an example of that, but ultimately I've chosen to do it. So I sort of have to take that as something that I wanted to do. But sometimes people end up in situations, uh, going back to the public speaking example, where they have to do a presentation because of work, but they wouldn't necessarily choose to do one or plan to do one themselves. So how do you motivate yourself when you're in that situation? There are still ways to use your head and the way you think to make the whole experience much more comfortable and engaging for yourself. So I would suggest that you consider whatever situation you're in, but we'll use the presentation at work as an example, that you consider what this presentation gives you and really look for the positives in this situation. So for example, presentation skills are extremely valuable and you can often get better jobs if you're good at doing them. So that's the kind of thing that you can think to yourself, okay, I didn't choose to do this, I don't necessarily want to do this, but I'll try and get as much as I can out of this situation because ultimately it's an opportunity if you choose to see it in that way. But the key thing is you have to find your own positives in each situation. It has to matter to you personally. So my positives aren't necessarily the same as what somebody else's might be. But it is possible if you really look for them, that you can help yourself feel excited and energised about doing something, even if it kind of scares you quite a lot. So anxiety and procrastination. Now, procrastination links really well to motivation because basically procrastination is what we do when we're not very motivated. So procrastination can take on many different forms, but generally speaking, it's when we find stuff to do that distracts us 
from the thing that we weren't very motivated to do in the first place. So this can be a range of things. It can be complete time wasting things like browsing Facebook. Or one of the things that we often like to do is convince ourselves that things that we're procrastinating doing really needed doing. So we just try and persuade ourselves that these other tasks are more important than the thing we don't want to do. And it's easy to persuade ourselves because we're very good at lying to ourselves. So again, I'll use myself as an example because it's funny. Um, I really hate cleaning. I hate housework. I do it um, because it's necessary, but that's really the, the extent to which I get on with it. And obviously I motivate myself by imagining my nice clean house and all that sort of stuff. But you can guarantee that when I have a piece of work to do that I may be less engaged in or it's not as interesting to me as other bits of work that I like to do um, or it's something that I just have to get done, you can guarantee that I'm suddenly more interested in cleaning my house than I ever have been before. So it's, a, it's amazing how we can convince ourselves of these things. So you can ask yourself, you can really challenge yourself um, and it's actually really good to challenge yourself as much as you possibly can because our brains can easily lead us down a pathway if we kind of let them do their own thing. So things you can ask yourself are, am I just avoiding whatever it is I was supposed to do? Is this thing that I'm choosing to do instead really urgent or can it wait till after I've done the thing that I wasn't really that motivated to do? And then another really good one, um, which often surprises people, they don't think of this, particularly mums who are used to doing everything for the family. Could I get somebody else to do this while I get on with the thing that I'm not very motivated to do? And that can be a bit of an eye opener. If you start asking yourself these questions and asking yourself, am I really doing this because it's necessary or am I doing it because I'm avoiding something else? Then it gives you a really useful insight into how your motivation levels are, what kind of things you might be saying to yourself in your mind that aren't helping in the slightest. Now, I just want to finally touch on something else as well, which does look into this, um, and that is perfectionism. So I wanted to touch briefly on the impact of anxiety and perfectionism on procrastination, purely because it's something I see very often in clients. Um, a lot of my clients are very, um, are very impressive people. They tend to have achieved a lot of things um, and they find themselves in a situation where they're struggling with anxiety, which they're not very happy about. And they're also struggling with other aspects of their life, such as getting things done for their business or getting work done or whatever. And we talk through a lot of this thing and we realise that actually they're very much perfectionists. Now, perfectionism can be a very destructive mindset because it leads people to judge themselves really, really harshly if they don't conform to whatever perfect is, and I'm doing that in air commas, perfect is in their head. So often you find that perfectionists will end up procrastinating because they're anxious about the fact that they won't be able to do the task completely perfectly. So often you'll find with these people that they can really struggle to just get started um, because they see the bigger picture and it has to be perfect. And then they feel really anxious about being able to get it done, having time to get it done, having the motivation to get it done. And they just don't get started. They just don't do that first step that would take them on the path of getting it done. 
Whereas people like myself, who maybe used to be more of a perfectionist, but actually over time have learned to control that aspect, would be more likely to consider that as long as I can get it done well, then I'm happy to just get on with it. So to combat this, try and ask yourself how perfect does the task really need to be? And this is a personal question and answer it honestly, because there are some things in life where it's more important that they're done well than others. So ask yourself what would be acceptable? Would 90% be acceptable? Would 80%? Would 70% even? Is it more important that the task gets done or that it gets done perfectly, but then potentially doesn't get done? You kind of have to logically weigh up in your mind all of these different aspects. So often with my clients, because a lot of them run their own businesses, and I empathize with this a lot, by the way, because obviously I run my own business too. Because it's yours and it's an extension of you, you have this idea in your head that it will always be really, really perfect. But actually that can be really hindering because it means that you don't do stuff. So you don't record videos because you're worried that you're going to fluff it up. You don't record podcasts, for example, because you're not sure how to make it absolutely spot on perfect. And the reality is that a lot of these different things can still be really beneficial to people, can still be really, really good. And they don't have to be perfect. You just need to take the first steps and actually start doing them. So there's an overview into how anxiety can affect motivation, can affect procrastination, and how perfectionism can weave its way into all of that as well, adding to our anxieties and making it even more difficult to get stuff done. So I hope you found some useful things in there. If you'd like any help or support in learning how to find the positives, how to motivate yourself, then please do get in touch. Um, There's various options online and there's also various options for us to do sessions over the internet still as well, um, as most of the UK is tentatively coming out of lockdown, but not really fully out of lockdown yet. So I hope you found that useful. Any questions do ask. And if you have any experiences yourself of trying to motivate yourself, It'd be great to hear some of your stories and possibly, if you're happy to, share them on this podcast too, so that listeners can hear normal people learning how to motivate themselves. That would be fantastic, I think, for everyone. But until next week, I hope you have a great week and I'll chat to you later on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.